Making a recipe that calls for butter? Make it better with European butter from France. With a minimum of 82% butter fat, it's no wonder French butter is the number one choice for chefs the world over. Whether you're whipping up an omelet, sauteing vegetables, or spreading it on toast, the rich, cultured flavor of butter from France always elevates. Be sure to look for Made in France on the label, and for recipes, tips, and tricks, go to tasteeurope.com. Everyone's on a budget now. Like, people have five bucks to spend at lunch. I wish everyone had three hours Mm -hmm. to, like, have a real boozy carbonara (laughs) feast in the afternoon. But that's not reality. Most people, especially people who work in the center, have, like, 45 minutes and five euros to spend. You're listening to The Taste Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Rodbard. There is no food writer I would rather talk to about Italy and really talk about food in general than Katie Parla. Her mind, her spirit, her willingness to drive around the wonderfully off-the-grid cow towns of Puglia, it's all so special. In this episode, we talk about her decade-long obsession with Italian food and culture and what went into her latest book, Food of the Italian Islands. We also talk about her TV work and her tours of Rome that have become legend around the world. It's so good catching up with Katie Parla, and I hope you enjoy this conversation. Katie Parlow, welcome back to the Taste Podcast. Oh my God, I'm so happy to be here. I missed seeing you and talking to you about food. I know, it's crazy. We used to like catch up whenever you're in New York, but then the pandemic happened, life got crazy, and I haven't seen you in several years. It's nuts. But then you saw my friends. Because you just gave them a tour. I took them around Rome. It was a delicious three-hour sesh, and I loved it. And their kid was awesome. they Yeah, and they talked about you. (laughs) And you made their child famous. Like (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) Evan made a cameo on a a, a Phil Rosenthal show, um, so that was cool. But did Evan ask you, like, cool questions? He's a cool kid. Oh, my God. I only want to do tours with him. He's really fun. So I want to know about tour, uh, the the business of giving tours in in Rome and in throughout Italy. What's that been like? Well, as you can imagine, people were pretty excited to be able to travel (laughs) to Italy again. The country was absolutely packed. I'm using the past tense. What I should say is the country is absolutely packed. Um, And I don't see a lull coming. It's basically high season, um, 12 months a year now. Yeah. Which is great for businesses and great for people who are enthusiastic about uh, talking about food and history and culture. And yeah, it's been it's been super fun. And and I think in the past, I focused mostly on Rome. I've been doing a lot of three to five day trips outside of Mm. Rome to Sardinia, Sicily. I'm like, I want everyone to go to Naples instead of like any other part of Italy. I've been taking a lot of people down there just for the day. Oh, I went there 50 calo, calo. Uh, that place. Cinquanta calo. That place, yeah, exactly. That place was, uh, I still dream and think about the pie, the pizza I had there. Yeah. Also, Chiro Salvo, who's the pizzaiolo, is always dressed head to toe in white, which is the yes. uniform yeah. for Neapolitan yeah. pizzaioli. Yeah. And he's spotless all the time. Uh-huh. How does he do that? Well, he has people working for him. That's what he does. Yeah. I mean, even when he was like you on think, the line. You think Eric Repair has anything on his? <laughs> he's the Eric Repair of Pizzolos. Pizzaiolos. Um, what the what the fuck did the White Lotus do? Okay, so I have been thinking a lot about this. Um, White Lotus made a lot of people book trips to Taormina. 
Yeah. Um, which is not a new thing. Like, Tomina no. is this beautiful but actually kind of boring little village on uh, the coast of Sicily um, near two much cooler places, Mount Etna and Catania, mm-hmm. um, where Lucia's from, of course. Yeah, yeah, Lucia's from there. <laughs> and, uh, and it just made people think more about it and talk more about it. Um, I think Sicily already last year was a big destination. Um, it will be this year, but it's the largest Mediterranean island. So I think a lot of people are like, oh, my God, is Sicily ruined? No. Mm-hmm. no. Taumina was ruined already, so yeah. nothing is changing. Is that Godfather, like, uh, museum uh, stop on the tour, like, a real thing? Do they make that up, or is that a real thing? I actually don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, ha- I used to do a lot of television production, yeah. and once I did, like, an underground— it was called Cities of the Underworld on oh. History Channel. <laughs> and I was producing this uh, underground Sicily— episode it was mortifying because i had to go to like my ancestral island and be like hi i'm an american doing like a mafia show do you have any like yeah. underground tunnels for oh smuggling my gosh. and we went to corleone <laughs> and oh, like geez. which is full of like octogenarians yeah. who are this just there to like yeah. stare you down when you come to ask mafia questions it was so awkward so i'm sure there's a mafia museum somewhere you can definitely get like the padrino shirt that yeah. made an appearance um yeah if, if you're into that kind of thing so do you think white lotus made folks uh will make folks Future Tense uh, appreciate Sicily for its cuisine because that show was void of any food, which is yeah. weird, I think, because clearly people care about food. I know that there's a lot more plot and, like, it's obviously not really a food show, but they could have, like, thrown in something. I mean, well, they, yeah. spoiler, someone stole Arancini towards the end. That's, That's true. That's ultimate episode. Um, there was an Arancini. And actually, I'm from the western side of the island, yeah. so it's actually Arancini yeah. feminine. Yeah, yeah. If you're in the other side, then it's masculine generally, although the rules don't change. Know. Good to know. But I don't know. I think um, if you do go to a fancy hotel in Sicily, you're going to be served like pan-Italian foods anyway. You're going to yeah. really be completely confused about the identity of Sicilian cuisine. Now, if you do go to Sicily, can I tell you, you shouldn't eat in restaurants all the time because a lot of them are so bad. Because yeah. Sicilians do a lot of cooking, like most people in Italy. They're on budgets. Yeah. So they have incredible ingredients. And you can get awesome pastries, like the most insane breads, craziest produce, amazing fish, great meat. And if you prepare that in your sort of self-catering apartment, you're going to be blown away. If you go to restaurants all the time, you're going to be like, oh, my God, this sucks. Got a restaurant question, but I must correct myself. There's a Vongole reference mm-hmm. in uh, White Lotus in, like, the middle. Vongole. Remember that scene? Did you, do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It, was, it was interesting. Um, speaking of food in Italy versus America, Jason Stewart, we both know him, host of Halangana, good kid, a good interview, uh, puts out a good podcast, had some pretty strong opinions about food in Italy. He called it, like, resoundingly mid and said— He's going to find better Italian food in L.A. I had to go to you with this question. Okay, I often grapple with this. Like, I'll go to an Italian place in New York or Chicago or L.A. and be like, the the overall quality of this experience was extremely high. Whereas yeah. if you're, like, traveling around Italy, you might get some dud meals. It's a complex topic, I think. Certain cities in particular cater exclusively to tourists, don't take tourists very seriously, and don't care if you're coming back or not. Um, so that could influence things. Um, I also, like, feel some kind of way about that statement yeah. because I took him around to eat food. So was that his experience with me? Jason, <laughs> what the hell? Jason, like, <laughs> seriously, you went on a parlor tour and, and <laughs> you didn't have a good time? No. I think he was talking about, like, when he was on the Amalfi Coast. Oh, yeah. the Amalfi Coast, like Tarmina, was developed for Anglophone 
and German yeah. tourists in yeah. the in like the 1800s. I, I people shouldn't be surprised that you eat shitty food in a place that <laughs> has been a tourist trap for so long. I mean, undeniably beautiful, but those places have really good food if you go like a kilometer inland. Yeah. If you're sitting on, you know, at Les Serenus or whatever, like you're paying a lot of money for the view. For the rocks. It's like, yeah. yeah, it's like, it's crazy. That doesn't mean that there are no good places to eat down there. It's just the places that everyone talks about. I would say I get 10 emails a week with like, how's this list? And it's like a list from a famous chef mm. from like 1998 that people are still circulating. I'm like, <laughs> oh my God, no wonder you fucking hate food in Italy because this is a whack list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and... If you're on the Amalfi Coast, you're probably not driving. So you're, like, not getting access to cool stuff. Yeah, Bobby Flay's list from, like, yeah, 98 is not going to cut it right now. And and this the country changes dramatically. And you wrote in a January 1st editor's letter um, to this massive restaurant guide that you put out, and it's on your website. I'll link to them in the show notes. It's invaluable resource, but you wrote this. If you're planning a visit to Rome, please keep in mind how fragile the restaurant business is right now. So what does that mean? What do you mean by fragile? I mean, margins have always been razor thin in... Is that a phrase? I'm always questioning my American colloquialism. Razor thin is absolutely a cliche, um, an idiom. Okay. Yeah. Fit. Oh, thank God. I'm a writer. Pat, back us up. <laughs> what do you think? Yeah, razor thin. Razor thin. I, okay. I, yeah, yeah. I mean, my brain doesn't always work so officially. I also just flew in yesterday. Two languages, so synapses. <laughs> Not firing. Um, margins are always like you know, very challenging. Yeah. Um, there isn't a ton of staff, especially in a city like Rome, where there were like 100,000 university students before the pandemic. A lot of people went back to their home villages. So there, there are, you know, so many challenges. Uh, that means your service might be real fucked up mm -hmm. because um, there are like, is one person on the floor instead of three. Not that there were a lot to begin with. <laughs> no, but there's definitely no staff similar to New York in some ways. So I think this advice yeah. you could you could heed for visiting New York. But so how can we um, Americans be great uh, guests in Italy? If you have to cancel your reservation, do so in a timely fashion. Never no show. Yeah. If honestly, it's confusing to communicate with resta restaurants. It's not like in the U.S. where like 24-7 <laughs> you can get a response and like talk to someone. No. People are answering the phones at most places during service hours and sometimes they're not answering at all during service hours because they're too busy. So just be sensitive to the fact that people are str like struggling to figure things out. There is, I would say, generally in Rome, um, a growing number of young entrepreneurs in the industry who have introduced online booking, mm -hmm. um, which has had its own set of issues. Like Romans don't book online. So that means all the online bookings are occupied by foreigners. So when you go into like Santa Palato or Rosciolli and you're like, mm -hmm. I only hear English or Swiss or whatever, that's why. Um, just be happy that those businesses are now back Is Rosciolli still good? Yeah, it's still pretty good. Okay. I mean... I mean, I, I have a, I have like the most popular... <laughs> post on my site is yeah. recommending Rosholi with reservations, like both online reservations yeah. as well as like caveats. Caveats. Um, yeah. And, you know, Rosholi is a place that does a lot of business. They have some really excellent products and some of those are served that, at their prime. Like yeah. some, you know, when the burrata gets delivered that day, it's like incredible. Mm -hmm. And just like a lot of places here, like when it's not incredible, it's yeah. sour and you're like, what, what's going on? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, 
And the pasta tends to be good, but sometimes, like, it's a little off. It's a tiny kitchen. It's smaller than the table. Yeah, it is tiny. I've been there. I went there twice in three days. It was was amazing, but it was years ago. So much has been written about Rome. Um, I just want to ask you, like, in general, um, is is this a good time to go to Rome? Um, when you're, if you have a choice, um, you have like a, you have, you can take a dart and just throw it at Italy. Do you hope it lands on Rome for the food? Rome's the coolest. And like Sicily, if you eat in restaurants 100% of the time, you're going to be disappointed. There are some amazing places. Yeah. But it's the pastry shops, the bakeries, uh, the little takeaway joints that have really excellent food. And those are, those are sort of themes that also appeal to Romans because everyone's on a budget now. Like, people have five bucks to spend at lunch. Yeah. Not at, Like, I wish everyone had three hours mm-hmm. to, like, have a real boozy carbonara <laughs> feast in the afternoon. But that's not reality. Most people, especially people who work in the center, have, like, 45 minutes and five euros to spend. Yeah. So that category <clears throat> of things, like, pizza con la mortazza, pizza bianca with these layers of, I said pizza biancas. That's yeah. not a word. Pizza bianca, singular, yeah. with <laughs> really thin sheets of mortadella. Uh, between them, that's like the perfect snack, and it's like three euros or less. Yeah. Um, so Unlike New Yorkers, you have like 16 minutes and $27 to spend at Sweet Green. Just exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That is not a thing. We do not have that. <laughs> though we have Insalata Rica, which yeah. is like a salad place, though it's not that good. Oh, can Sweet Green open in, in Rome? Are you, are, you, are you hoping? I mean, I actually would like that because, you know, I need my fiber. Getting yeah. Getting older. I like carbonara, and it's <laughs> becoming problematic. Yeah. Um. I don't know. You you could probably pull that off, like, yeah. north of the train station, which has, like, a lot of fancy, like, headquarters for yeah. production companies and things. Some or, vegan restaurants yeah. are up there, et cetera. Well, the vegan thing is, like, off off the charts. Okay. Everyone's eaten the it, vegan it, stuff. It's a cool It's a cool. Uh, but it's cool got to be cheaper than sweet green. It's, yeah. Sweet green is a price point that Romans cannot wrap their yeah. heads around. You just landed, like, yesterday. Where, where do you want to hit New York? I just want to ask you about that. I... Uh, no, absolutely nothing. So if I have like three meals and I need all the spice in yeah, the world, yeah. where should I go? Is that is that it? Is it spice that you miss? From... I'm so basic. Yes. I mean, spice is hard to find sometimes around the world. I usually travel with yeah. fermented chili paste that I yeah. put in everything and all my friends in, in Rome are like, you're disturbed. But yeah. I need it. I mean, Mala so Project is still very good. Mala Amazing. Project. Get, get the hop out there. Oh, we obviously go to Her Name is Han. Okay. On I it. I mean, you got to hit those places up. Um... I want to talk about your book, Food of the Italian Islands. Like, super cool. Define the islands because I I, I feel like Naples. Oh, I'm sorry, Naples. Um, Sicily is an island, right? I but there are other islands. Well, Sicily has islands. Sicily has islands. Like, think about this: Pantelleria, Linosa, Marettimo. Consider Sicily the mainland. Got it. Right. Okay. So you have all these little sal- satellite islands. Some of them are like hanging out by themselves. Others are part of chains. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the book is about Sicily and its islands, Sardinia and its islands. Cool. And then the archipelagos throughout the Trenin coast. So like the Pontine Islands Pontine. off the coast of Lazio, the Neapolitan archipelago. Capri's the most famous, but Procida and Ischia are mm. way cooler. Um, you've got Giglio uh, and Elba. And then you've got the Tremedy on the Adriatic coast. And then of course the you know, hundred, probably 200 or something islands that form uh, like the Venetian commune. So Venice, Venice is a, a, a city of islands. It's a city that's made up of a lot of islands. Some of them are even inhabited. Some of them are oh, interesting. So I, you've this is like a series of your books. You, you write about Italy, about regional mm-hmm. Italy. 
What then is so interesting about the island culture in Italy? It's certainly I had to ask you, like, where the hell are the islands? So what's what's interesting about it? What I love about it, what I love about a lot of parts of Italian food culture is that the reality is not what you would expect. A lot of the food is land based. Mm-hmm. A lot of it's inadvertently vegan. People were afraid of literally pirates. <laughs> there was tons of invasion. I mean, when you think about Sicily, like the first thing that you think of is it had 20 different kingdoms ruling it over the course of the past three millennia. And so that's going to keep people away from the coast. It's going to make people self-sufficient and make them clever with agriculture. It's going to make them good at raising animals. Uh, I love a meaty culture Mm -hmm. that also um, knows how to preserve fish. I mean, I know that Mm -hmm. you would get on board for a Sardinia or Sicily trip. (laughs) I'm down. I mean, I've definitely tried to go to Sicily um, on several trips and haven't made it there. I've been fortunate to visit Emilia-Romagna and Rome and all over, but never an island. So is there anything that an island offers that maybe um, we don't know? I I feel like, is it like, I know that like Sardinia has wine, right? There's great wine in Sardinia. Like, but like, I want to know, like, I don't want to ask, I'm trying to like ask, where should I go? What's the best island? But I don't want to be basic like that, but I'm kind of being basic already. So sorry. Okay. So that's a great question because the islands in general have a lot in common, but then they also have their unique idiosyncrasies. I mean, I think if you want to think of the big islands, Hmm. Sardinia is always my first recommendation because it's wild. It's its own, like, rejection of Italian colonialism. It's so intensely itself, but then so varied. Every village has its own customs, its own bread culture. The devotion to grain, whether it's in the form of ornamental pasta or very ornate bread, is mind-blowing. It'll shock you. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing like that in Sicily or mainland Italy. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you wanted to just, like, be, like, beach basic, uh, Procida speaks to me. (laughs) Um, If you you want to, like, boat around, you can go to Ponza. And if you have 100 euros cash, they prefer cash, Yeah, uh, you can get a boat. And they, like, let you drive it around. Oh, so you just rent it. I thought you don't have a skipper. You're just just doing it. No, no. They're like, here's a boat. And you're like, I don't know what to do with this. And they're like, it doesn't matter. Don't crash. Or if you do, like, we'll just. We'll just get another boat to get yeah. you and bail you out. Yeah, it that. happens all the time. Here's our here's our number. <laughs> um, I know you're very, you document uh, automobiles in in, uh, in Italy. So great. Fo- great follow on Instagram for many things. But Grazie. what about what about boats? Have you, have you gotten into that, like, boat culture? Like, like I have ha- a boat. Okay, stop. Isn't that Barry the lead here. You own a boat. Yes. I own a boat. Her name is Laura. She's a patanea, which is a Venetian fishing or hunting boat. It uh, She's got like a really flat, long, round beak so that you can stand on it and like flash light into the water and then stab cuttlefish. Yeah. Or you can just like hang on, a, ha- hang out on it while you shoot ducks. Where is it located? Venice. Okay. Specifically Murano, which is the glass producing set of islands northeast of Venice. Basically, there were fires in Venice in mm-hmm. the 13th century, so they sent everyone to make glass nearby. And I bought it from my friend, whose mom's name, Laura. Laura. <laughs> so his boat's name is Laura. And actually, Laura now has a huge boat that she bought at, like, a bankruptcy auction. Yeah. And her boat is 150 times larger than my boat. Wow. So I see Laura all the time, and I wave at Laura yeah. from Laura. You wave up at her. I wave up she, at her. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the silliest thing ever. So you have this in a marina or is it like landlocked? No, I rent it from this guy who doesn't have a boat anymore because he's 200 years old. Yeah, yeah. And I pay him 100 euros cash or whatever yeah, every yeah. year. I love this I so much. And so what's, how do you, is it like 
motorized or is it like a rowboat? No, it's got an engine and everything. Yeah, it's got a steering wheel, engine, all that stuff. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Um, let's talk about some craft because we do talk about this a bit on the show. We have a lot of authors and you're a multiple-time author. How do you think about covering um, Italy and the islands of Italy um, from like a, a journalistic point of view? How did you approach this book? Um, did you go to all the islands? I mean, how, how do you yeah. actually tackle that? Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I generally for the past 20 years that I've been living in Italy, I've been going to the islands and I don't, I mean, I like beaches, don't get me wrong, yeah. but I'm always like, where's the ricotta, dude? <laughs> or like, where, yeah. who's selling the donkey meat for burgers? Like, <laughs> so I'm doing a lot of inland investigation yeah. while all my friends are hanging out at the beach. And I just, uh, I did a lot of that. And when I was thinking about the book, because my last, um, my last solo title was Food of the Italian South, mm-hmm. which dealt with the lower peninsula. I knew that I wanted to cover Sicily and Sardinia and the other islands. And so I had to go to islands that I'd never been to before. Mm-hmm. So I'd never been to Giglio. Mm-hmm. I generally avoid Tuscany um, just because I am so obsessed with the other places. I feel like I've got to talk about all the other places because everyone's already talking about Tuscany. So I was like, fine, I'll go to Giglio. It actually was awesome. Mm-hmm. And I had to go to Marettimo, which is this like little remote island. And I got stuck there because there was a storm oh. and like for five days the ferries weren't running. Wow. Sounds like, like a song. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I should start learning like the dialect so I can do like local folk songs. Yeah. Then. Five days stranded on an island. What do you do the whole time? It was a lot. Did they have Wi-Fi at least? There was Barely. Wi-Fi, but the like this is what happens on the islands in generally when like a lady is traveling solo. The person you're renting the apartment from, because there are like basically no hotels there, uh, thinks that you are there to like hang out with them and we'll, ah. we'll overshare and like over invite and like insist that you come up to their apartment. It's like, I'm not trying to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So just beware. <laughs> <laughs> You're just like, like there's a boundary. There's a gui- like a guideline, like right away. Yeah. 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 Um, Ed Anderson shoots your books. He's the best. Yeah. And he's perfect. Great, great hanging. Like I, he shot food IQ. I love Ed. I, unfortunately, um, I did it remotely because of the pandemic last year. But um, love Ed Anderson. What's it like hanging with Ed and, and traveling with him? It's the most fun. Um, he lives in California, so flies over to Italy, and uh, we've done two two week trips together, yeah. just traveling around. Uh, I drive both the boats as well as the cars, <laughs> yeah. which, you know, you should ask him privately what his opinion of my skills are. I think we've talked, we've discussed <laughs> Yeah, we have. Um, but he's like, he's the perfect photographer because while he's not fluent in Italian, he's just so gentle and so kind and people really respond to just his like demeanor that they're completely disarmed by him. And, you know, the photography in, in the book, especially of people, is just... So moving, honestly. You have to look at portraiture and see the expression and give a lot of credit to the photographer and the the demeanor going in, especially in places that are a little more remote, don't see big cameras and lights rolling in. Yeah. Not well articulated about Ed because I think he is calm. Um, have you guys gotten into any like narrow parking situations? And I think you told me a few stories. So we were in Ponza and we rented a car that is, I guess, best described as the worst car that any rental agency has ever, like, (laughs) given to a customer. It was so messed up. Um, And so I'm like, okay, Ed, remember, this time, when you see I'm going down a road that we probably can't get back up, just like, 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 Katie, remember yesterday when you said, (laughs) don't go down any narrow roads. So we we go down this, like, switchback road, because I'm like, I remember this guy Gerardo has, like, a little 
not even a restaurant. Like, we've got to go find Gerardo. I'm, like, yeah. fixated on this. And there's not a lot of Google map mm-hmm. accuracy. So we're going down this road. The tires are threadbare. And we get eventually stuck on, I don't know, angles. What's this? Like uh, 45. 45. I think you're looking at 45 with your For, hand. Look, yeah. Looking at 45. Yeah. And so I'm like, I get to maybe three quarters of the way down this very treacherous hill. And I'm like, we got to go back up. There's no way that I'm going to finish this yeah. uh, descent. So I end up attempting it like many, many times. He got out of the car eventually. Yeah. He's like, I don't feel safe doing this. So I like was, you know, trying to inch the car around the switchbacks, which was completely impossible. It took like an hour and a half to get out of here. And in the meantime, like I'm just ruining the tires more. And like yeah. it smells like burnt clutch. Yeah, he, and oh, it's, God. It was I wasn't scared because I I don't know why, because I was like, what's the worst that can happen? Yeah. Uh a posthumous publication. Yeah. yeah, it's good. It's good for uh, sales, I guess. Posthumous. <laughs> exactly. You wouldn't be able to do press like this, but you would That's definitely true. be able no. to remember forever for dying. Exactly. On on a journey. Um, love it, Anderson. Um, let's talk about uh, collaborations because mm-hmm. you um, not you don't just write your own books in Italy. You you come over here to the states and work with chefs and. Uh, many books. Uh, I feel like you've. Is it four or five? Am I am I making that up? Um, I think I've done four books with other. Yeah, Flower yeah. Lab with Adam Leonti, yeah. American Sfoglino with Evan Funky, um, of course, The Joy of Pizza with Dan Richer, and yeah. then a just gorgeous cookbook with the Pasta Queen. Oh, I saw that. The Pasta Queen book is amazing. So I want to ask you, how do you pick your collaborations? You really have great taste. Um, all of these authors um, have such vision and point of view. I, I will ask yeah. about the Funk Master in Los Angeles. I have many questions. He's an enigma to me, and I've just I've been so interested in Evan Funky. But how do you pick? I mean, sometimes they pick me. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. With Dan Richard, it was a completely different thing. Like, he wanted to write a book for a long time, and I kept saying, don't do that. It's going to ruin your life. Editing's <laughs> really hard, yeah. and you don't want to sit in front of a computer. And uh, eventually, you know, it, it was a no-brainer. That was a no-brainer. But in the other cases, it's more like a chef is given, or in the case of Pasquin, a TikTok star is given a book contract, and then the editor's like, here is a list of pre-selected, pre-approved people go hire them. Yeah. You're and, on that uh, and yeah. And so that's how that's how that happened. Um and yeah, like I I think obviously every author is different, but it's been really interesting. Like the f- front end of my career was like spent sitting at a table one on one. And then a lot of the second half is like on Zoom. Yeah. Uh, it's a really different, really different dynamic. I don't like the zoom yeah i was wondering about that i don't either um i like having irl conversations i like cooking with with actual uh food and not just working in a google doc yeah right totally um but when you're collaborating on several projects like how do you keep it straight like are you are you cooking a lot are you testing or are is your role more like the writing project management of the cookbook uh, it depends on the contract. Yeah, yeah. You know, I have like a, a an all in rate. Not yeah. everyone wants to pay that. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, like right now I'm working on uh, the Austria, the uh, Angelina Austria cookbook. Uh, I'm writing. And, oh, cool. And doing like basically publishing it for them, um, and project managing everything, hiring their editors and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's been that's been really cool to like shape a book from scratch. Usually you start with like a proposal or an outline. Yeah. And this is really just like it's it's clay and we're molding it. It's the coolest. Um, and yeah, like that, like being able to help people who don't want to sit in front of a document but have so much to say. It's like it's such a privilege. It's so nice yeah. to be able to help them oh, articulate yeah. what 
what they have to share. Yeah, and you pick people with with great stories to share. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Do you know Angelini has the best stories on planet Earth? Oh, and yeah. I want to write a book that only talks about him, his recipes that he learned before the age fifteen. So where's his restaurant? Let's let's give Los it a little. Angeles. Let's give it a little backstory. Yeah. So uh, Angelini Ostri is in Los Angeles. Yeah. It's about thirty years old. And Gino was born in Romagna. So when people talk about Emilia Romagna and the food of that region, they're really talking about Emilia. Romagna is the coastal, formerly malarial backwater mm-hmm. um, that doesn't really get that much attention. But it has a very famous city called Rimini. Mm-hmm. And when he was 15, he went to culinary school and then started working out at hotels there in the 60s. So this is like full-on Dolce Vita shit. Yeah. Is there coffee in Rimini? Is, is there, there like a coffee-like coffee? thing happening there? No. Maybe. All right. I just had an aside. Okay. So continue. Sorry. But like, you know, he lived inland, which was like fully not coastal. So yeah. fish was a big deal. And a guy would come in with a, a little apple cart filled with ice wow. with fish on Tuesdays and Fridays. And, you know, they can only get the sardines and anchovies and things that were super cheap. And they would roast them in the fire um, or marinate them. And that was like such a special part of their week. No one ever had bread. Yeah. You just mix some lard and a little bit of flour, mm. didn't leaven it, and you cooked it on wow. like a plate in the in the oven or in, in your fire. Yeah, it's like I'm thinking like open fire on a yeah. cast iron. It's or like yeah. it's a piadina. Um so leavened bread was not a thing. It's like all these things that you expect in Italy are so absent from so many parts of Italy. So I'm really enjoying his his story, mm-hmm. his narrative, and it's amazing. But also just like running a restaurant in Los Angeles for the past thirty years, it's gotta be rich rich text as well. Oh my god, so much. Yeah. yeah. He's got like, you know, the uh, like opera singers who would come through like once yeah. a year and they knew to call in advance so there would be tripe on the menu because you got to order the tripe in advance. So let's talk about Evan Funky. I mean, the guy has just has one of the most popular restaurants in the country. Yeah, Mother right? Wolf's popping. Mother Wolf is popping. Before uh, that, Felix was popping. Yeah, Still yeah. popping. P- Felix is great. I've never been to Mother Wolf. Um, tell me, what's it like collaborating with him? I mean, he seems intense. I mean, he wrote a really cool book. With, you both wrote a book. Um, what's it, What's he like? I mean, Evan's Evan's awesome. And what I really appreciate about him is that, you know, he respects the knowledge that I have. Yeah. Um, after two decades in Italy, like obviously fluency in the language, a really deep understanding of culture. Um, he really respected that. And I, re- I really appreciate that about him because not everyone is on that page. Yeah. Um, and he's got an incredible enthusiasm, but also like a crazy talent for pasta sfoglia. Yeah. Um, so that's... That's cool. And he's smart about the way that he adapts things from Italy and then creates them for a Los Angeles public. Yeah, we're going to have Rich Teresi on the show in a couple of weeks, and I'm going to ask him similar questions because I feel like the adaption of some of these traditional methods for like a, a urban, wealthy restaurant crazed audience is interesting Mm -hmm. it's a very because as jason was alluding to in his his um comments about the uh viability of italian food in italy um clearly food in america italian food is banging it's really good here in some places oh i mean in some places it's it's italian american food in some places there's an absence of italian cuisine in some places there's an where are these places and there's an overwhelming absence of italian cuisine in most of america what you have is Italian American cuisine. I see, I see. That's and they're distinct. What you mean. Yes. No, of course, and they're, that's what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Regional. We. I call it regional Italian. Is that like offensive? No. Because I, I feel like when I say regional Italian, I'm differentiating from Italian American red sauce. No, I, th- I think that makes sense. Yeah. And you know, like for example, um, at Angelini, they do dishes that are like 
from all over the map. And authenticity, of course, is a loaded word, but they do yeah. authentic versions of lasagna in the style of Bologna, yeah. tripe in the style of Rome, uh, liver in the style of Venice. And those are all on the same menu. Whereas I think now there's this like kind of big uh, Italian island craze also in like food where you'll find Sicilian things and sar- Sardinian things like mixed together on a menu with yeah. some other Italian stuff mixed in. I think that's really interesting. It's not something you find in Italy ever, but it really, it plays really well. It's fun. And finally people are understanding the food references on menus. Like Induya is a thing that people know about now. Yeah. Burrata is a thing that burrata, people yeah. have known about for a minute. God, but they make a lot of money. Like burrata, big burrata in America. It's those there's a lot of money to be made with burrata. Uh, yeah. The only thing is burrata and, and mozzarella has to be consumed within like 24 hours I know, of right? its creation. So like exactly. lis- listeners, when people are bragging about importing either from Italy, just be like, <laughs> I don't want your trash past its prime dairy products. Nothing that's coming from Italy can be sweetly lactic after a plane ride and all the like time it takes to get to the plane and yeah. then to the destination. Docks and, and, and tariffs, all that stuff. Yeah, it's crazy. Out. It's not good. Yeah, for fresh it's products. Not good. It's not about. good enough. It's not what it's supposed to be. We're talking about fresh cheese fresh versus cheese. the 24-month Parmesan Reggiano, right? That you can get. That you can get. There's actually a producer um, uh, that's imported by Gustiamo that, like, is technically Parmigiano Reggiano, but decided to exit from the uh, <laughs> discipline because he's like, my milk's too good. And yeah. My farm is too small, and I don't want to be associated with that, you know, kind of factory farm style. Yeah. What is that Parmigiano? Producer? It's called, I think it's called Produttori de, di Parmigiano. No, Parmigiano delle Vacche Rosse, something like that. And that's that's up in Emilia-Romagna, though, that farm? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. In, the, it's in the production zone. It's, it's in just, the zone. And, you know, they were making it under the DOP, yeah. Parmigiano Reggiano, but the farm's super small. Like, the cheese is even uh, yellower because the animals are eating more grass than the industrial feed. Um, It's a much richer, like, more complex, nuttier, more flavorful product, and it looks just like Parmigiano Reggiano. It's just not allowed to be called... It's not that it's not allowed to be called that, but the producer decided to not call it that. I went to a farm uh, and factory outside Via Via Emilia, uh, and I saw the uh, yellow cheese Mm -hmm. that you're talking about. It's pretty cool when it... It's amazing. when, When you see it in country. Okay, most underrated city. Let's just go there. Most underrated city in Italy for the food. Most underrated. I'm seeing it like three times. Oh my god. Well, I'm most giving you underrated. time. To, giving you time to think about it. No, most underrated. I mean, look, I think everyone, everyone in like very in very uh, elite quotes goes to Ostri Francescana yes. in Modena. Or if they're going to Modena, they're just going to Ostri Francescana. The other food is so freaking good. Yes. Modena is incredible and people just like pass right by it in order to eat. Botura's food, which is great, but the city really deserves a lot of attention. Love that. Love that pickup. I've spent time in Modena. I agree fully. Rustic food. I feel like I had a lot of acidic foods there. Lots of acids. It's it's yeah. amazing. Yeah. And a lot of places have incredible Lambrusco yep. on their lists. I mean, I also think like generally Campobasso, Isernia, these like little villages, they're cities mm. in their region. They would compare, be more like villages compared mm-hmm. to Rome or uh, or Milan. Those places are great. Milan's a great food city. Yeah. You have money. Um, <laughs> uh, Venice is a not good food city. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> Bring us did, pack a pack of lunch. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, ask, I didn't ask you that one, but I'm glad you threw that one in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, let me ask you about Puglia because we yeah. just launched 
uh, our first taste travel. I have not talked about it on the taste podcast. I may have an episode before this airs um, where I talk about it, but we're going to Italy in June with Susie Carace. She's an author. She's great. She's really fun to hang. Has been on the taste podcast. So we're get, we're hanging out in Puglia. We we're almost sold out. We're like three quarters now in mid January. So we're we're getting there. We're almost sold out. It's great. What's Puglia? Like, what am I expecting? I have never been to Puglia. I'm very excited. Well, first of all, it's even though the name is Puglia, which yeah. which kind of implies singular. I always think of it as Puglia. Multiple Puglias. Puglia. Yeah, because there's like five counties, provinces. Each of them are really different. Where? What's the itinerary? Where are you going? So we're going to Bari for sure. Amazing. Lecce for sure. Some other towns. Um, itinerary is being worked out, but I'm excited. So what is Puglia known for? Puglia is known for its omnivorous cuisine. A lot of durum wheat pasta and bread. Uh, they eat tons of horses down there, so yeah. get used to it. Lots and lots of vegetables, fresh and preserved. Um, and some fish too. Yeah, it's great. I'm. I mean, Puglia, uh, starting. Oh God, this must be 15 years ago. Benefited from a lot of money from the European Union. That's individuals yeah. who got money, uh, cities, provinces, the region itself, and a lot of that was invested in touristic um, endeavors. Yeah. Yeah. Infrastructure. Um, and a lot of farmhouses have been converted into accommodations. And there's a lot of sort of rural uh, farm stays. Um, I mean, I think there are places that are like kind of corny that you could drive through really fast. Completely. Alboro Bello. You don't need to go there, Um, except if you want to eat delicious food at Laratro, in which case do go there. But, you know, you've got what what has happened to Puglia is a lot of the famous towns, Alboro Bello, Ostuni, they've completely blown up and everyone just goes there and it sucks. But then like... If you're in Alboro Bell, you're like, oh, my God, get me out of here. This is hell. Then you just go to Nachi nearby, and yeah. it's incredible. That's where I think Nachi is on oh, our list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Absolutely. Uh, fantastic. Yep. That place is dope. Very cool. Um, I feel like it is. there's so many mines um, to step on when you're traveling, especially outside the major cities, because there is a bit of a tourism element to some of these towns, right? They're yeah. built around tourism. And as savvy American travelers, we don't really want that vibe. We want something a little more real. I know. I feel you. And if it's like any consolation, a lot of people who are benefiting financially, some people who are benefiting financially from this big tourist boom are actually locals. Yeah. You also have, especially in Puglia right now, a lot of Dutch, German and people from Milan who would also be considered foreigners um, developing properties. And it's their, you know, bank accounts that are benefiting and not those of, of locals. So it's not that hard to inform yourself about who owns what. Respect that. Um, you're going to be back in the spring to launch Food to the Italian Islands. What? Where can we see you? We want to hang out with Katie Parla. I feel like that's what everyone wants. To I want to hang out with you guys. Yeah. So where are you going to be? What, what's what? You're launching this book, right? I mean, you're yeah. going to be some cool events. Imagine. Yeah. Oh, so many cool things are happening. The full schedule will be published yeah. imminently. Um, but going to do some New York dates. Yep. Great. Um, going to hit uh, her place in Philly yeah. for an event. That's going to be super fun. Kefico in San Francisco. Nice. Sorelle, which is opening soon in Charleston. Um, I am, as you are, obsessed with independent bookshops. Yeah. So I'm going to be doing a signing at Omnivore in San Francisco. Love that. Um, also, shout out, my most supportive audience is in Rochester, New York. Wow. So big return to Fiorella. We so cool. totally could have done like 500 covers at our Food of the Italian South event. So we're exploring a, an offsite 
uh, location and hopefully just do like a big old blowout. That's so cool that Rochester uh, supports you like that. I love Rochester so deeply. Yeah. It's a really fun city. And Fiorella is an incredible, yeah. incredible place to eat. I love that. Uh, you're 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 really like synced up with American restaurateurs and chefs. Like that seems to be something that you really enjoy. Right? I love it. And I'm so overjoyed that they trust me to take them around. When people open new concepts, they hire me and I take them to eat food and then we maintain these friendships and it's really great. Do you leave Italy ever? I mean, yeah. like, will you leave Italy ever? That's what I mean. Sorry. That was will I ever leave Italy? Yeah. Like, will you do what you're doing in Italy somewhere else because you have an interest in expanding culture and giving tours and writing books? You know, I tried it in Turkey. Yeah. I was spending a lot of time in Istanbul and yeah. the southeastern part of the country and the Aegean coast, and I just loved it. And, uh, you know, I think especially Americans' appetite for Turkey disappeared, yeah. which is super unfortunate. Uh, Erdogan is a monster, however. So yeah, the politics, the geopolitics are tough. And um, Turkish Airlines put a lot of money into the, the support of Turkey, right? The promotion. Yeah. And then the politics got tough. It, yeah. se- it seemed like that. But you can still visit like, and have a oh, good yeah. time. Oh, yeah. I was there this summer. Yeah. It was fantastic. Yeah. I love it there. And so that was a... You know, Parlin Devers has had a number of failed businesses. Oh, yeah. One of them. Let's, let's... The app company, big oh. flop. No, actually didn't flop. It just didn't work out. Apps are tough, right? <laughs> I mean, apps, the appetite for apps, pun intended, are, is, is, d- diminishes, you know, after like the day of launch. There was appetite. It's just the developer disappears and like, oh, I have this code and I don't know how to do it. And then bring it to someone else and they're like, that'll be 100,000 bucks. I'm like, okay, going to put this to bed. Yeah, that's tough. Um, but what about geography? Like where would you want to um, kind of, plant a flag so to speak for Carla for Parla Endeavors where would you like to like plant a flag for Parla Endeavors uh I want to do Greece but yeah. my brain doesn't work good enough well enough see to huh. learn another language yeah. <laughs> so yeah I, I was already pushing it with the with the Turkish which I've kept at a very mediocre plateau for a long time um but I think Greece is like it's for me, it's like what I imagine Italy was like more entrenched culture, more mm-hmm. people actually making food, more people doing these what in Italy are really disappearing traditional foods. I love it. I love all of Greece so much. Yeah. How do you visit Greece? Like how like what's the what's the move? I almost always fly into Athens yeah. and then take a boat somewhere. But you spend time in Athens, right? Oh, hell yeah. I always work at least two days on yeah. the front end and a day on the back end because Athens is super, super fun. It's funny. There was this weird thing that went around about Athens for years about how like it's like polluted and there's like traffic and it's yeah. not fun. But like, come on. I have a friend I'm following on Instagram who's there right now. I'm like, the guy is like having a great time. Athens looks dope. It's great. It's like it reminds me a lot of Naples. Yeah. I only care about places that are like Naples. <laughs> and it's fantastic. <laughs> and like people are so fun and hungry there. And it's really a, for- a, a super affordable capital yeah. city to visit. Like. Who can afford to go to London and Paris these days? Like, yeah. Athens is where it's at. Athens is where it's at. You do, like, a lot of TV. I don't mean like you do a lot of TV mm-hmm. because when I turn on my uh, television, you're there sometimes. Like, you literally are on my television. That's It's funny. like the way the television is programmed. Like, my Samsung just, like, appears, Katie, you're there. That's very funny. I hope that I'm doing something that's not embarrassing. No, you're doing great work. You like doing TV? <laughs> I love TV. Yeah, it's one of my favorite media. Yeah. And uh, my show, Katie Parla's Roman Kitchen, was filmed during the pandemic. Because yeah. in Italy, we had, like, full lockdown. You couldn't leave your home. I know. But film and television production had a, an exclusion. So we could actually, like, make TV in my apartment. We just couldn't leave the, my apartment. We had to pretend that there were no markets or 
restaurants. Hilarious. <laughs> I, I noted that you have great taste in textiles, I must say. You have great fabrics in your your home. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, my friend Alyssa Weinstein helped me furnish my apartment because before that I worked 24-7 <laughs> yeah. before the pandemic. And I was like, oh, no, I don't have any work. Cool. Yeah. She was like, you have one cardboard box as furniture. Like, let's, let's, <laughs> let's build this place out. <laughs> let's build it out. Do you have any television plans in the future? Yeah, I mean, I don't really believe in jinxing it, so I'll just say, like, in May, we're going to theoretically make Katie Parla's Venetian Kitchen, Yeah, uh, which is really going to be focused around food of the Italian islands, and uh, and that will be on recipe.tv. Great, and filming on Lara, right? You're going to get on Lara. 100% of the time, I'm going to get a gas burner, even though it's <laughs> definitely not allowed. I'm going to cook on the boat. On Lara, cook on Lara. Katie Parla, we ask all guests on the Taste Podcast, if you could write a cookbook, or food culture book without the burden of time, meaning there is no deadline. We are very aware of deadlines having written books between us. Or budget, meaning, yeah, you get all the money in the world. What would that book be? It would be a 1,600-page yes. book on Sardinia. What do you, like, what is what is going on? Like, what with 1,600 pages, that's a lot of pages. It's a lot of pages. It's going to be pretty heavy, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to be devoted to all of the crazy, insane, super niche recipes that are still produced yeah. um, with a lot of, uh, up, not updates, but like basically reverse engineering recipes for, for like breads and things that yeah. are only in museums now. Oh. That's, that's the book. But this book might happen because audience. part two of this podcast will happen. Maybe we'll record in the spring because I want to hear more about your publishing company. And yeah, your, Carl your, Publishing your might new, make this happen. Your new model. And, and I really, I really want to have you back in the spring. We can continue because I love talking to you. Thank I love you for, talking to you. Thank you for joining today's podcast. Grazie. The Taste Podcast is hosted by Eliza Abarbanel and me, Matt Rodbar. The show is produced by Shalia Harris and Pat Stango and edited by Clayton Gumbert. Theme music by Steve Rydell. Visit Taste Online at tastecooking.com and make sure to subscribe to our newsletter for updates on all cool things that are happening.